This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety, May all beings be happy, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be happy. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outward and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, conscious the same this recollection, this is said to be the sublime abiding, by not holding to false views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Well, good evening. <laughs> um, I thought um, I would be here for, I believe, three, three weeks. So I thought I started a quick introduction. Judy, is it? Yes. Yeah, Judy, and I actually heard it already this afternoon, but you have to go through it again. Uh, <clears throat> so my name is Padipada, which translates along the lines uh, path, method, practice. Um, it's kind of um, many, many monks have aspirational names like Nibuto or one of the Recently ordained uh, uh, monks, his name is Akinchana, which means nothingness. And I didn't. I wanted one, something that's 
aspirational but also applies to everyday life. So and this name came to me. I just read a book and read the name, read the Padipada and thought, yeah, that's it. Because I think following the path that applies from the very beginning to the very end. And so that's why I chose it. Um, I was born in Germany, born in 1965. I moved uh, nurse since 1987. And I moved to Australia in 2008 and lived in Cairns until I moved to the monastery in 2021. So I gave up my nursing degree actually this year, or not degree, the registration. I will always be a nurse, but I'm not registered anymore. Um, I'm very, very young in rains, so I ordained just before the last rains retreat in July this year. Um, yeah, what more to say? So, but Ajna was quite happy to let me go, so I'm... Uh, <laughs> right, and I'm planning, if everything works out well, I might go to Sri Lanka in two or three months' time for, I don't know, open-end, kind of. Cool. Uh, for tonight, I thought... Um, Actually, I thought, what, what did the Buddha do when he, when he gave teachings? And from reading the suttas, I have basically three, three options. Um, usually, when lay people came to the Buddha, they came to the Buddha and asked questions. He didn't just teach without being asked something. Or sometimes in the suttas it says, when the Buddha was in the middle of the Sangha and the Sangha was ready, he gave a talk. Or when the Buddha visited a sick person, first he always asked, how are you, pretty much, in, in simple terms, how, how is your sickness going? And after the person replied, uh, the Buddha said, okay, now I give you a teaching, thus should you, based on, on the assessment, how you are, thus should you practice, that should your practice be. So I thought, because I'm not really prepared and ready to give a half an hour talk, I thought I probably would like a question and answer session. So if you want to ask anything about me, about meditation, about the Buddhist teachings, and I'm able to answer, I will answer as good as I can. When you said the Buddha uh, asked the person was unwell, uh, how are you doing? And then they responded. And then you said the Buddha said then you should follow his practice? Did you say yeah, that? but that's the usual sequence in this sutta. So he said, uh, um, usually at first there is a little conversation of, uh, the Buddha says, I hope your pain gets better and you, you're going to improve. And then the person said, no, it's not, it's getting worse or it's not getting worse and then then the buddha gave a teaching so he okay. i think the buddha always assessed where is this person at this moment what teaching can i give that's suitable for this person oh, okay. he, he just didn't he didn't just start talking without knowing what's going on oh, okay.
Subjects as in your meditation, meditation object. Yeah. Yes, sure. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. I mean, the, the Buddha teaches about many different ways to meditate. I mean, body contemplation, um, breath meditation, the chant crowd contemplations, um, contemplation of. Um, impermanence of non-self, all this kind of stuff. So if if you start off and one thing doesn't work, it's perfectly fine to change. So for example, sometimes, usually I do uh, Anapanasati meditation, so um, breath meditation. <clears throat> sometimes when my mind is restless, I wait, I still do the normal meditations, but some days it just doesn't settle down. And for me, it works quite well if I then switch over and contemplate uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta. So impermanence, suffering and non-self. So basically everything that comes up, I contemplate, oh, this is impermanent too. And this is, because it's impermanent, it causes suffering. And very often then it's just the issue settles down and then at some point I can switch back to breath meditation. Right, may I ask? Why are you meditating? It's quite an open question, but I find it it's not so easy to answer. Ooh. <laughs> I can tell you why I meditate. It's a continuation of my practice, because I've been practicing for over 50 years now. So, um, my, my goal is still to be free from suffering mm. and that hasn't changed it's as a lay person or as a monk it's just opportunities not quite the same between being ordained and being a lay person but the goal is still the same freedom from suffering freedom from rebirth understanding yeah. did, did you start like that? Um, yes when I was 16, I'm 71 now. Oh. <laughs> so that's why I meditate for insight into the cause of suffering. Yeah, I, I think that's basically spot on. I mean, I started meditating um, just for kind of to um, settle down after work to, to get my mind calm 
and it just felt so good and but I think that's that's for um, the ending of suffering as well and I mean you are spot in a way that medit we meditate basically to let go of things so yeah Meditation's also got a lot of uh, medical uh, what benefits. Yeah, it's supposed to uh, lower your blood pressure and all sorts of other good things. It, it does. There's a lot of research, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So you know, some doctors recommend you know their their patients to do meditation. It's certainly and very useful, but it, I think that's that's a kind of a superficial level. You, if you yeah. go deeper, there is more to meditation than. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, different people meditate for different reasons as well. I think so. And not like not everyone. Yeah. <laughs> meditates to get rid of suffering. In some way, probably because you meditate to let go. First, you let go of your body. Mm. Then you try to calm down your mind. And the more you let go, the more, the more still you become, and the less suffering. I mean, the the um, Buddha said, basically, when the, when your job is done, when when you go towards enlightenment, that's the moment where you fully understand the four noble truth. Mm. And, and they are all about suffering. completely free from suffering. Even the Arahat has still this, this body going until the moment they pass away. Um, but I think the process is to, to get the insight into suffering, to understand what's going on. And um, once you drop greed and hate and don't have so high expectations anymore, then the suffering is very, very minimized. I hope I... Yeah. So, total freedom of suffering only will happen once you are ten parinibbana, which means when you're enlightened and then you pass away and the... because there's always the, the decline of the body, which there will always be pain. But mental suffering you can... <clears throat> minimize extremely, yes. So have you all been experienced meditators? 
I guess so. Uh, before coming for some time. Some time. <laughs> Not sure about. Yeah, yeah, I started as well pretty young. I think I was only maybe 14. 14. No. And that was maybe because I had older, older brother and he was interested in movement, metaphysical. Yeah. Uh, and he had books on meditation and I think that's how I... And I because being older, Older brother, I guess I looked up to him, and Salim was wiser and more knowledgeable. So I think that's how it happened. But the real reason meditation occurred, I'm not too sure. Uh, but as time went on, I think for different reasons, uh, maybe not always the same. Sometimes it's more to do with, <coughs> I guess, if uh, lately it's been, uh, I noticed I started going to meditation if I was in some pain yeah. uh, and that would occur naturally yeah. because you come to a point where you just want to switch off because I've got a uh, uh, was diagnosed with cancer about two years and at, at some point uh, I had a lot of pain and that was when you know the brain is about feels like it can't take anymore yeah. and then, then you, your brain naturally tries to find a way out and that's yeah. when the meditation actually occurs almost spontaneously. Right. You don't do this a bit of it. See, yeah. I have a bit of a different experience. So I, I, yes. I was on retreat a few months ago and one day I had quite a lot of bodily pain, nothing serious, but just mm-hmm. pain. And I, meditation was really hard for me that day. Yes. So I tried and tried and it just didn't work, so I went on my walking meditation path. It didn't work either, so I started contemplating what's actually going on here. Why, why can't I meditate? And till I realized that it's not so much the pain that bothers me; mm-hmm. it is, it's the clinging to life because the the pain threatens my my belief in you know being living eternally. So you, you become aware that. Um, you will die at some point. And once I realized that, then suddenly I, my mind became very, very quiet. I okay, now is the time to sit. And then my meditation was really good. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then I find that past that point when I don't feel any pain anymore, uh, as such, and things have improved. Then you you realize then hang on you've lived a life that way all these years yeah. and you've in kind of in a kind of ignorance or blindness or you've made you realize the mistakes you've made but also the blindness in in your communications with people when you can't help it so it happens and then you go and you start looking into because you start becoming more introspective because you're faced with something quite, you know, yeah. uh, in front of your face, I guess. So then you go, meditation becomes more way to find out a bit more about oneself uh, and improve on oneself to become, because you feel you understand that you have those limitations and you want to get beyond those limitations because it's 
only because your life means as mental means something yeah. and you have to go you have to do that you know for yourself I guess so I find it's kind of changed over the years yeah I, I'm not quite sure if I understand you right but yeah. <clears throat> I mean it is the way that once your meditation gets deeper mm -hmm. and you become really still and you you start seeing things things in a different way because mm -hmm. a lot of the delusion falls apart and you see things the way they really are mm -hmm. so that changes your perception of the world mm -hmm. so and that's probably how you how you see changes in yourself mm -hmm. so. Can can I take a pass on that and maybe come to back to you next week? Because that's a it's a big big thing. I know delusion is the self. I mean, the big delusion is the self. Yes, and um, but it's it's really hard to explain because you cannot you cannot see the, that there is no self just by by thinking about it by reasoning with with smartness and with logic you have to you have to go really deep in in meditation until you see there is there is nothing there is no padipada it's just as the buddha said it it's a bag of bones and and organs and uh, that's basically it i mean that's one of the of the core doctrines of, of buddhism also which means if you never heard of that which means basically there is no there is no um, permanent essence that needs to be protected there are only the five five khandas that uh, the buddha calls it it's, uh, let's see if i get them together sometimes i have a black heart it, there is the body then it's translated as feelings as will as consciousness and perception so these five things work together in a way that we think there is a self. I call it mirrors and smoke screens. Because you think you, you are somebody, you are important, there is a soul that's going on and you need to to preserve that and uh, but there isn't. But you only see that in after after deep meditation you can see that. Um, is there an afterlife? Um, depends how you um, define it. The Buddhist doctrine is um, not afterlife, it's um, Buddhist belief in rebirth. So when, when you die, the Buddha calls it stream of consciousness, goes on and will be reborn in a different, different body. But it's hard to define what stream of consciousness really means. For me, it basically comes down to karma. So all the, all the deeds you have done in this life and in the former lives, good or bad, uh, 
carry you through to into a rebirth and then depending on your on how you live your life you will be reborn in a in a higher or lower realm or in in a more or less lucky person it's all very simplified yeah. um how can you get good karma that's easy um if you follow do you know the five precepts okay it's basically okay even simpler you live a life where you don't harm anybody and you don't harm yourself so the buddha says once every everything you do that is not driven by greed and hate will create good karma everything you do that's driven by greed or hate or aversion will create bad karma <clears throat> right um shall we meditate um by the way if you have any suggestions for next week let me know and i prepare a little bit more for it um now you are all experienced do you want a guided meditation or you do you want to meditate for yourself what what do you usually do i only ask because when i was in your position sometimes the guided meditation was rather an interruption for me than help so i'm happy to do whatever you you like what we normally do is if there's someone new we give a guided meditation right. and if everybody's familiar with that then they can choose not to or it's up to the person who's in right no got somebody new got somebody new good can we Okay, I set a timer just in case I forget about it. So, got that. Okay. So basically to quote Ajahn Brahm, when we meditate for half an hour, what we do is just sit and relax as much as we can. Body and mind. That's pretty simple. Find the most comfortable position you can be in. And if during the meditation you feel uncomfortable, don't be shy just to move and make yourself comfortable again. and go through my body, top to bottom, bottom to top, and make sure every part of my body is 
relax as much as it can be. I know that I've got two or three spots that are usually a bit tense and I just go there, give it some mindfulness. If there's any pain or tenderness, I just stay with it and try to be kindness and see if I can relax the part. If you want to continue relaxing your body for the next half hour, that is perfectly fine, please do. If your body is relaxed at some point and you start feeling your breath, just be with it. Don't force yourself on the breath. If any distractions come up, bodily pain or thoughts, don't fight them, just acknowledge them. They are impermanent, they will vanish again.
I will shut up now for the rest of the 30 minutes. Just enjoy the stillness and enjoy to see how your mind and your body relax.
We are slowly approaching the end of the meditation. Just use the last two minutes to reflect how do you feel with your body more at peace than at the beginning or is your mind more relaxed, more content or peaceful? What changed? Now let us turn the verses of sharing and aspiration through the goodness that arises from our practice. May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother and my father and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, may the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, Guardian spirits of the earth and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life, may they serve attain the threefoldness and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease, and all harmful states of mind, until I realize the Bala, in every kind of birth, may I have an upright mind, with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, 
nor weaken my resolve, that would edit my excellent refuge, and surpass is the protection of the Dharma, the solitary Buddha is my noble Lord, the Sangha is my supreme support, through the supreme power of all peace, may darkness and delusion be dispelled.